That song that we just sang, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, was written in 1744 by Charles Wesley, the same guy who also wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And he wrote that song um, during a very difficult time where he was living. And he looked around and he was overwhelmed by the plight of the orphans, by the poverty by the stark separation between those who had plenty and those who had nothing. He was overwhelmed by the burdens of the world. Sounds familiar to be 1744. And he came to a verse in Haggai, chapter 2, verse 7. And as he read this verse, he then penned that song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and he wrote it specifically for the season of Advent. This is what Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 says. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. And what is desired by all nations will come. Lord, this morning we come before you. We are thankful for your word, for your promises that were fulfilled the day that Jesus was born. And we come to you today, Lord, with expectant hearts. We come to you with a desire in our heart for what all people and all nations desire, that your glory would fill this house. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen, we're going to kind of, the season, we came up with a series, and it's called The Sound of Christmas. And we're talking literally about the sounds of Christmas. And this Sunday... This Sunday of Advent, the theme is hope. Hope is one of those words, right? It's just one of those words that we say all the time. You can walk into any tattoo parlor and find it on the wall and get it tattooed in any script in any language that you want for real cheap. It's a word people love, right? There's just something about hope. It's one of the few things we have to cling to, right? When everything is falling apart. If we can just have a little hope. And in this song, the very first line, Come thou long-expected Jesus. It's like looking backwards and forwards at the same time. Come thou long-expected Jesus. There was such a long period of time where the people of God were waiting and expecting a Messiah to come. And all they had was the hope of the promises that God had spoken, saying that he would come. That's all they had. And it was that same fear, that same feeling of of needing something, of wanting something that Charles Wesley felt as he looked around his country and saw the plight of those who were orphaned and hungry and in need. It was that same feeling, that little bit of hope, come thou long-expected Jesus. Because really hope one of the few things that we can grasp a hold of. So today I just want to talk a little bit about hope and the kind of hope that we need. What are we hoping in? What are we hoping for? Right? I remember hoping for a Christmas present when I was little. 
I remember snooping around in my parents' room hoping I could find something that let me know that they had gotten what I hoped for, right? I remember, my dad's probably watching this. Hi, Dad. I remember finding in my dad's top drawer the year that I was in fourth grade a little notepad, and on the inside it had my name, and below it it had cowboy boots and a line marked through. And do you know what I knew that meant? I, meant, I knew that meant he had bought them already. And they were somewhere in that house. And I had great hope that they would be there Christmas morning. But my dad would do these funny things, and he would wrap presents weirdly so that we wouldn't really know what they were. And there was not a box under the tree that looked the right size for my cowboy boots. And yet on Christmas morning... I still had hope, right? Why did I still have hope? Because I had seen the list with my name that said cowboy boots under it and a line marked through. And so even though when I looked under the tree, I did not see a box that was the right size for my cowboy boots, there was still hope, right? Because why would he have marked that off the list if he had not actually purchased them? And sure enough, this funny-shaped box, which ended up being about two or three boxes taped together and wrapped cleverly, he had more fun than he probably should have. You know, when you're a grown-up, you find your fun in weird ways on Christmas, right? And I tore open those crazy empty boxes, and there were my cowboy boots, which I loved for multiple reasons. But one, because if I wore them to school and forgot my tennis shoes, I could get out of P.E., I had such hope because I'd see, I had seen the list that showed me that they were purchased. But I did not see the box that fit the shape. And I could not see that they were really there. And that's the story today. <laughs> because, see, there's these promises that were written in the Old Testament that said that God was going to send a Messiah. But everywhere the people of Israel looked, they could not see anything that fit the shape of a Messiah. So much so that when the Messiah came, because he did not fit in the box that they had planned for him to fit in, they missed him completely. What if I had neglected to unwrap the box that looked a weird shape, thinking that my dad had bought me a carburetor or something weird? Mad, I didn't choose to open it because the box didn't fit the shape that I expected it to. And even though I had the promise and the hope, I couldn't see the fulfillment because it didn't fit the shape that I expected. So many people missed the coming Messiah because he didn't fit the shape, but the promise of the hope was there. And here we are today, and we know that the Messiah came, that he was born of a virgin in a lowly place, that he lived a perfect life, and that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose again. We have the privilege now of looking back and seeing the fulfillment of the promise, and yet now we live in a different promise, that he is coming again. And there are so many people who paint pictures for us of what that will look like and how it will look. And we don't know, let's be real, how that will look. But today we live in the hope, come thou long expected, Jesus. 
because he has come and he is coming again. And in the meantime, we live with the list in front of us and the line marked through because death has no sting because the promise has come. We live with the hope and the expectation of knowing that the promise has already been fulfilled. And it may not always look like we expect it to look, but the promise has been fulfilled. The Savior of the world, that was marked off the list. It's already come. And it came in the shape of a baby born in a lowly manger. And he became the hope of the world. Today I want to look at a couple of things that we can have hope for because of a coming Savior. In the beginning of that song, one of the things it says is it says, from our fears and sins release us. We have hope for rest because of a God that came and released us from our fears and our sins. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. On down in chapter 1, it says in verses 14 through 17, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. We can have hope for rest and freedom from our sins and our fears because there is a sureness. He who was already came to be. The word was with God and the word was God. And he was there at the beginning of all things. And he continues to be there and will always be there. There is nothing that gives you more peace than surety. There is nothing that gives you more peace than surety. Like a little kid who will just fall off of anything, right? Because they're sure that your parent will catch you. And as a parent, I realize I have no surety I will catch them. That's absolutely terrifying when my children would jump from things. I have boys. They have no fear. And yet, we can have a complete trust and hope because he always catches us. There is a surety in him. This world is looking everywhere for consistency in a place where there is no consistency. Because he was and is to come. He was the word, is the word. He is the hope that gives us rest. He is the light in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. 
I'm going to tell you, when you look around this world, there is so much darkness, and it can become so overwhelming. And we have to remind ourselves, we will do whatever it is we can do, but we have to trust and know and have hope that the darkness has never yet overcome the light, and it will not. It cannot overcome the light. The Word of God says the darkness has not overcome it. There is rest that comes in forgiveness and grace. Our fears, our sins, our failures, they can leave us so hopeless. And yet, the Word was God. And He was before all things. And because of Him, we even live. And through him, the grace and truth that is Jesus Christ exists today. We have hope for rest. It's so easy to say we hope for things. We hope for an outcome. But we have to realize that real hope does not come in hoping for a thing or an outcome. Because things and outcomes are fickle, and they may not always go the way we want. And if something doesn't go the way we want, and we lose hope, it's because our hope was in that thing and in that outcome. And we are not guaranteed things and outcomes. We are guaranteed God. We are guaranteed that he is with us and that the darkness will not overcome him. We are guaranteed that he has forgiven our sins, any of us who ask of it. We have guaranteed that he is our hope. We get so caught up in hoping for things, all of us, but we have to know that things and outcomes are not promised. He is promised. And that is where we have hope. That's the hope that comes, and there's rest in that. And I don't know about you, But this world, all of us, we are in desperate need of rest. So much of a need for rest. And I'm not talking a pause from our comings and goings. I'm talking about the rest that comes in knowing. That even though there is darkness, it cannot overcome the light. In the second verse of this song, it says, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. That verse in Haggai chapter 2 verse 7, it said, what is desired by all nations will come. What is desired by all nations There's a longing that we have for God. And everyone is longing for it. People phrase it in different ways. There's this desire to know and be known by God. And all of the nations are longing for it. There's hope for our hearts today. Our hope comes From the fact that we are all groaning and longing for the same thing. We can become a lot more grace-filled for people when we realize that their longing is really for God. That's what they're longing for. They may not know it. 
And they may be looking for it in all kinds of ways that are not fruitful or good for them. But what they are longing for is God. What they are longing for is something that you can have real tangible hope in, and that is Jesus. And his word tells us right here in Haggai, it says, and what is desired by all nations will come. That was written in the Old Testament because, see, it was promising them that what all the nations were longing for would come. And here's what we know. It did. It did. What all nations were longing for, it came in the birth of Jesus Christ. And what we still long for, an eternity with him, it is coming. And so, there is hope for the longing within our hearts. Because he is coming. In verse 3 of this song, It says, born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. There's hope for a king. And that word king, it kind of bothers me in a sense. Because when we think of king, we think of like a man-made king, right? There's King Charles, or soon to be King Charles, or whoever, right? There's a line of princes who did nothing except to be born with the right last name to the right people, and now they're king. There's kings all over our world. A self-appointed, man-made title. And so, to say that we want a king, that our heart is hopeful for a king, that we desire a king. It can kind of sound weird, right? I mean, we're the land of the free, the home of the brave. Why would we want a king? We want freedom. But what we have to realize is is that we were created with a desire for the king of kings and lord of lords. And that in all of our years of humanity, and even back with the people of Israel, they wanted a king. And they felt as though if they could have a physical, tangible king, that that's what their heart needed. That that would somehow grant them the hope and peace that they needed if they could find an earthly king. But it did not work. And it caused nothing but problems. And kings today are nothing more than figureheads made rich by the people who serve underneath them. They are not what our heart is longing for. And so we have to know that when this says born a king, we are not talking about a man-made version of a king. We have to disassociate the idea of king. And our world, the people around us, they can't comprehend. When we would say we want a king, why would we want someone to lord over us the way that this man-made version of a king does? That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the king of kings, the king of our heart. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He has been born to reign in us forever. This verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, it's prophesying of the king who would be born. The Messiah who was coming. And his description did not match what a king matches. Because the kings that they knew of their time were not wonderful counselors. Mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That was not the description that we think of when we think of a king. Because an earthly king is about power. And a heavenly king is about love that controls everything. There is no need for a flexing of power when you are God and you are And so this world has an idea of a man-made king and what that means. But our hearts are hopeful for a true, eternal king. We need a wonderful counselor. We need a prince of peace. We need someone to be trustworthy with our hearts and with our lives and our livelihoods and everything within us. We need to give that to a king. And Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 tells us that he is coming and that he would be born. And guess what? He was. And then in Revelations chapter 22, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. He came. He is coming. And I have hope for that king. Because he also said, My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our hearts hope for so many things. There's a hope that's always pulling at us. But what it really comes down to, what we really need to know is what is it that we are actually hoping for? What is it that we really need? What is it that our hearts are really crying out for? They are crying out for hope that comes in the rest of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. They are hoping for a king that will come and be enthroned in our hearts forever. They are hoping for Jesus. That is what we are hoping for. When you're a teacher, you do all these things all the time, and you ask kids, what do you hope for? What are your dreams? And kids are honest. So you get equal parts, I'm hoping for an Xbox, and equal parts, I'm hoping that no one goes hungry in the world. (laughs) And sometimes they're on the same list. Kids are diverse. They don't have any need to, um, to try to make themselves look a certain way. So they can be honest and they can be real and say that they would like a million (laughs) dollars. But then also say that they would like for everybody to have a house to live in. Right? And, And let's be honest. There are things we hope for. I have things I hope for. 
I hope somebody shows up and wants to give my kid a full scholarship to college because I'm still paying for mine and will be till he's done with his. So somebody wants to do that, I'm hopeful, right? I got things I'm hopeful for, things my heart desires. But do you know that even in that hope, what it really comes down to is that I am hopeful that there is a God out there who I can trust with the plans and purpose of my children? I hope I can do things at my house. But really what that comes down to is that I'm hopeful that there's a God that cares about the small details of my life. I am hopeful and I desire that no one would go hungry at Christmas, especially. And what that really comes down to is I hope that there is a God who cares about the people he created. See, it really all boils down to that we're not hopeful for things. We're hopeful for a person in Jesus Christ. We have hope. And it's okay to hope. In the last verse of this song, it says, By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit. Raise us to thy glorious throne. We have hope for hope. I hope that having hope is not wasteful. I have to have hope that hope is not lost. I have to have hope that there's something to be hopeful for. I have to have hope that he will raise us to his glorious throne. Psalms 33, chapter 18, verse 18 through 22 says, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. We can have hope because of Jesus. All hope is not lost. It's really easy to get overwhelmed by the world and its struggles, by our lives and all the things. And there is much to do. I don't want to become so heavenly minded. I'm not any earthly good, right? There's a lot to be done. There are people to help, people to serve, people to care for. There are problems that can be solved and things that we can do. But there is hope because he is hope. He is hope. This first Sunday of Advent is called the Sunday of Hope. Because really that's what it comes down to. Is that because of Jesus, there is this inexplicable hope in his believers. Because 
He really did come down to earth and was born of a virgin in a lowly manger. The angels appeared and announced his arrival. And his mother pondered all those things. Because he came, because he lived that perfect life and walked out and found his disciples and healed the sick and bound up the brokenhearted, because he really existed, because he chose to take on the mantle of our sins and the weights of our failures and go to the cross and die and be buried. And because he rose again, there is an inexplicable hope in us because we know that all is never lost because he makes all things new and he will make all things right. And while some days are hard, there is an end date on the suffering of this world. There is an appointed time when the suffering and the loss and the heartache of this world will end. And I don't know if I'll still be on this side of it when it comes, but I know because I have an inexplicable hope inside of me that says and knows that he came and he's coming again. In Acts chapter 17, verse 24 through 28, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. I have hope for rest. I have hope for my heart. I have hope for a king and I have hope for hope because it's in him that I live and move and have my being. He is our rest. He is the answer for our longing hearts. He is the king of kings and his kingdom is here and he is our hope. And listen, this Christmas can get very loud The sound of the news, especially if you can't hear well, it's loud. The sound of ads. Y'all notice how commercials are louder than the TV shows? It's, It's awful. But the sound of brokenness is loud. But what is desired by all has come, and his name is Jesus. Oh, brokenness is calling out for hope brokenness is calling out. This world is loud in its brokenness and it's calling out and it's looking for hope. Marco Polo, it's calling out, looking for the reverberation of a sound that will come back to it. Here is my brokenness. What will come back to me? 
Here is my brokenness. What will come back to me? And Jesus says, I live in me. You live and breathe and have your meaning. And I am here so that you might reach for me and find me because I am not far from you. Here is my brokenness, says the world. And here is your hope, says Jesus. There's a quote by Wendell Berry I saw today. It gets darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. It gets darker and darker, and then Jesus is born. Life gets harder and harder, and then you remember that Jesus was born. You face the hard things, and then you remember that Jesus was born. Life knocks you down, and then you remember Jesus was born. And I have hope today. So listen, if you're here today, would you stand with me? We're going to sing through this little chorus, Come Thou long-expected Jesus, because the birth of Jesus radiated through the heavens, and it was the sound of hope. The day, the moment that Jesus was born, the heavens declared his birth, and hope rang out through the heavens. The moment that Jesus died on the cross, the heavens split open, and they reverberated the sound of what had happened because Jesus is the sound of hope. So listen, if your ears are ringing today with hardship, if your ears are ringing today with brokenness and being overwhelmed by all the things that come along, that even in this beautiful season, there is so much that is so loud. Today, Jesus wants to remind you, I am the sound of hope in your heart, that inexplicable ability to know all is not lost. Because come thou long expected Jesus, he came and he is coming again.